Right, so we're in Romans chapter 12 this morning, and in Romans chapter 12, we're going to kind of go through this, and something I want to point out about this chapter, this one chapter right here, as I was going through it, as I was reading it, I thought, if a church would just do the things in this chapter, I think the pastor of that church would think he had a dream job right there, and I want you to go through these things, because these aren't, you know, super crazy things that he's telling us to do here. And uh, when we read these things, I mean, this should be uh, something we're all shooting for, something that we're all striving for. And so let's go through some of these things and look at verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Did you know it's okay if we have some expectations from you, if you claim to be believers in Christ, if you claim to be born-again Christians, if we expect something from you, did you know that that's appropriate and we don't believe in work salvation, if that's the case? I mean, we're just talking about reasonable service right here, that you do this. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I don't think any good fundamental Baptist pastor wants their church to be just like the world. I think that we all feel that way, and we preach a lot on separation, and we use that verse. Verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So while we want our people to be separated, often as a, as a church, as a pastor, you might succeed in getting people separated, but then all of a sudden they get all lifted up with pride and they start looking down at everybody else and then we've got a war going on. So great, we got you separated, but now we got you fighting with each other. Now we got you lifted up with pride and God hates pride. So this is part of it too. If we, and you know, we're always trying to work on these things. And, and we don't want Christians getting lifted up with pride because that's a guaranteed way to bring contention into the church, no doubt about it. Verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. And so this isn't why we should ever get lifted up with pride because of what we do in the church, because God has different things for different people. If you're a part of this church, and you are being a blessing in a, in a certain area, Okay, and somebody else is not being a blessing in that area, just understand they're probably being a blessing somewhere else. And you know what? Thank God you're doing your part. Thank God that you know we have you because you know all the parts of the body are important. But you know what? Don't you get lifted up because you're doing something somebody else isn't doing. They're doing something that you're not doing. So if we could just get, boy, if we get our people in our churches to realize that, that would really make this job pretty easy. In fact, I think we'd probably see some pretty great things accomplished if that happened, but it's always a challenge over the years in churches. You're going to have these battles. You're going to have these struggles and things that come through. We could preach on every one of these things. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Yeah, whatever you got going for you, it's because of the grace God gave you. Just keep that in mind too. Maybe God didn't give it to them. You know, so just you focus on what you need to do. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportions of faith. Some people are better preachers than others. Some people are better soul winners than others. Some people are better servants than others. Some people are more like Christ than others. It's, it's all important. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So everybody's got something. And if 
every one of us were using those gifts, you know, that God gave us. I mean, imagine what we could accomplish as a church. You know, we would fulfill our potential, which should be the goal, that we just fulfill our potential that we have. Now, not to be another church or like someone else. We are our own church. We have our own people in it, and we just need to use what God has given us. And so, uh, notice how these next verses are, you know, in the context of our place and our role in the church. Okay, so keep, so keep this in mind. We all know this next verse, but the context of it is when it comes to our place, our role, what we do in the church. In verse nine, it says, "Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good." Be kindly affection one to another. Boy, if we, again, if we get churches being kindly affection to each other. Man, if we just get you liking each other. And why do you have to tell people that? Because sometimes you're not going to like each other. You know, there's something called personality conflicts. But as Christians, we're supposed to be above that. Yeah, I get it. You have it in the world. You have it in the workplace. But in church, we ought to be able to get past some of those things. Why? Because we're Christians. Jesus got past all our issues. We should get past other people's issues. So keep that in mind. Every one of these things, we could spend so much time on them, I don't want to do it. But he says, uh, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. If you do something for the church, I mean, go at it. I mean, do your best. Don't just do a little bit because oh, it's just a church. I don't get paid anything for it. No, that's not how that works. Man, do your best. The Lord, rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, weep with them that weep, be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate, be not wise in your own conceits, recompense to no man evil for evil. And we often talk about that too with the evil people in the world, but sometimes even God's people do evil things to you, do things that are harmful to you, that make you feel bad. You know what? Don't do it back. Don't recompense evil for evil. This is talking within a church. Again, it says, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. So somebody made better fried chicken than you today. You know what? Don't make it your enemy to destroy them and to prove to everybody they're a bad cook. And you know, if somebody gets salmonella, you say it was from something they made. Don't don't do that. Don't, you know, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is vengeance. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And I just want to, I, I went through all that to just show you that a church who is doing all of these things and has this perfect balance would be paradise church. I mean, the, the pastor, he would have the easiest job in the world. And you know what? The congregation would have it pretty good too. If you went to church that was full of a bunch of people like this, wouldn't you? Now let's just be honest though. You know, do we fit all of these a hundred percent? You know, does, does any church is any church just nailing every one of these things? You know, probably not. Okay, Pro- probably not. But the truth is, we're always striving for this. This is what we're shooting for. These are things we're working on. This is something that we can look at and we can say, you know what? Let's try to make sure we have some of these things. And and as a pastor of a church, as a bishop uh, or an overseer of a church, one of my jobs is to 
oversee what's happening in the church. And if I'm reading a passage like this, say, you know, we could probably work on this one area right here. And then we got it. And then as a pastor, I'm going to try to figure out how we can get these things right. And if we've got people getting lifted up with pride, you know, maybe I got to preach some sermons on that. And, and every pastor is always trying to find that balance in that church, really to get their church to be that church like we see here in Romans 12, that's doing all of those things. But the truth is, we're always going to be a work in progress. And, you know, now, you know, having said all this, I would like to just kind of give a little testimony about the first 10 years pastoring this church. Because, you know, from the time I started the church, okay, during those, um, you know, I always kind of had a mindset of where I wanted the church to get. And, you know, and I guess a good way to explain what I was looking for is Romans 12, you know, and I'm still looking towards that. But from the time we started the church as a pastor, I was always looking and trying to figure out, all right, what do we need to do next? Because no church is just going to start up, open up their doors on a Sunday and then boom, you're just nailing all of Romans 12. This is not going to happen. It's unrealistic. It's never happened. Okay? But from the time we opened, I was always, you know, kind of wanting to work towards these things. And one of the biggest challenges that I had when I started the church was trying to get the place to feel like church for a while because there were there was a lot of areas we were lacking. I came from a church that I had been in for over 20 years that, you know, had been around for a long time and was already doing a lot of these things that, that we're going to talk about. But, you know, and there was a part of me after going from that to a brand new church, it was a little bit of a culture shock because a lot of things were different. It was a completely different group, different people. We didn't know each other. So a lot of the things that I enjoyed in the last church, I didn't have when we started this church, at least at first. And so as a pastor, I was always trying to figure out, all right, how do we get to this next point? You know, what can we do to get this in our church and to have this be a part of our church, trying to find that balance. And so, um, you know, when we started the church, you know, thankfully we started out with people, you know, even though we didn't know anybody the first Sunday, I mean, some of you all, I met you 10 years ago yesterday, you know, and that was, that was when we met at the first service or maybe a few days, a little before that, when we knocked on your door, but either way, you know, there were, some, you know, obviously it wasn't just going to all be together uh, that first day. Now, let me say this. When we started, nothing I'm saying here is negative towards any of you, because again, you all did what you needed to do to get to where we are. And it took time. So first off, you know, let me just point out some things that you did is, you know, you showed up. Let me tell you, that means a lot to any church planner. I've talked to several church planners who their first service, they didn't have anybody show up. And that's discouraging. Thankfully, I didn't have that. Thankfully, we never had a service that was just our family, which is also pretty rare for a church plant, you know? And you say, well, you know, I, I, what would you have done if that would have happened? You know, we'd have, we'd have kept going. We wouldn't have quit. But you know what? I'm glad I didn't have to deal with that. I, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But uh, you showed up. You were here. You know, you encouraged me you encouraged our family by that you encouraged others by being here you gave i'm glad i didn't have to pay all the bills from the time we started uh, you know you were faithful you had that pioneer spirit you didn't do like a lot of people who did who came in the first sunday came in the first sunday and was like you know wonder what the kids programs were well this you know there was like they were wanting all these things that the big churches all had and it's like 
This is our first service. <laughs> you know, it, but they did. They just had this expectation. And it's like, well, why are we even here? Y'all don't have what we're looking for. But it's like, hey, but we're trying to get something going here. We need some people to get on board and help. And I'm thankful for those who had the pioneer spirit and they were willing to be here when the crowds were small. They were really willing to be here when the singing wasn't that good. You know, let me tell you, we haven't always enjoyed singing like we enjoy today. And, you know, we haven't always had that. You know, we haven't always been able to have a special during service, let alone like three specials in one service. You know, there was, there was a few services where we had to have me play the guitar because the piano players weren't here. But that, that was pretty rare, too. We had to do that. But, I mean, look at all these instruments we have now. wasn't always like that. But thankfully, people still stuck around. They still did what they were supposed to do. And so every one of these things were necessary in getting this church to where it is today. So not, nothing here that I'm saying is a criticism of anyone who helped start the church. You know, if anything, I might have had a little bit of re- unrealistic expectations when it came to starting this church. And, uh, but what was lacking in this church then, it later was fulfilled by the very people that we started out with because of the fact that they were obedient to the Word of God. They were faithful. They followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. They did those things they were supposed to do. And so as a bishop or an overseer said, you understand there are certain things that are expected, you know, that uh, there are things that churches are supposed to accomplish. And when a church is lacking in these areas, there's always kind of a burden on the pastor to fill that void. It's like, we should be doing something here and we're not. And so in the mind of the pastor, we're always trying to figure out what we have to do to just get things balanced. And so, you know, during those first years, you know, there was a burden for me, something that was just always kind of a burden on my heart was, um, you know, one, at first we didn't have a lot of participation from the congregation. I often felt like I was doing a one man show. I'd get up, you know, lead the singing, you know, do the preaching. I mean, literally do everything. My wife would play the piano. My family did all the special music. I mean, you just kind of came up here and just felt, I just felt like it was the Tommy McMurtry show. And it's like, you know, church isn't supposed to be the show, you know, the Tommy McMurtry show or just about a pastor. Church is not just about a pastor. Just because he has some title and some role that's kind of, you know, central in the church. It's not all about him. It's a, a church is a congregation. The very word church implies multiple people. Okay? It's not just, I, I just hold an office in the church that you all have given me. And, uh, and I'm very thankful for that, but it's never just about the, pa- about the pastor, but you know, and it's like that with any church when it just gets started. And so, you know, I always had that desire to try to find ways to get more people involved i didn't want to you know be doing everything not because i didn't want to do it just because that's just not a church you know if i just wanted to put on a one-man show i could just start a youtube channel and just make my own videos and get people donating money and then i don't have to deal with knuckleheads you know i can just uh you know if people get annoying i can just block them you know you, you can do that kind of thing that's not how it works you know people need to be taught they need to be trained on how to help and what to do because many people who come to church they've never been involved in any kind of church leadership you know, people need to be included. They need to be made aware of many of the needs of the church because a lot of people too have just never been involved enough to realize the importance of many of these things. And so, because when you have a larger church, it's easy to just come in and just enjoy things. You know, just to come, enjoy the service, enjoy the fellowship, all the things that are nice, the music and everything. 
But a lot of times people have no idea what goes into making that service great. They, they just don't know. They've never been involved enough. And so, you know, you have to teach people that. Because, again, the, the, um, so that participation was something, it, it bothered me. I was like, we've got to get this going. And I'm thankful now that I feel like we have that. I mean, people are involved. People are doing things. You know, it used to be a burden to me, the amount of musical talent I knew we had in the church, yet just weren't using it. Because... You know, there wasn't anybody to kind of organize it and work with people and do all that. And, you know, thankfully, that's not a problem anymore. You know, thankfully, you know, Brother Daniel's taken on that role and just found musical talent. I had no idea that we had in this church. And I knew there was some there and it, it used to bother me because I thought, man, there's all this musical talent out there. They could be being a blessing. They could be ministering to the church. And you know what I read in the Bible where if God gives you something and you don't use it, you end up losing it. And we've got all this talent out there that's not being used for the glory of God, you know what? We're going to lose it if we don't do something with it. But you know what? Since we've started using it, guess what? God's multiplying it. That's how God does these things. And so, you know, whenever I see potential out there and it's not being used, I get a little worried as a pastor. And I might start preaching some sermons about getting involved and about doing some stuff. Why? I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep things balanced because that's what we're supposed to do as a church. We're supposed to minister in these things, you know, the fellowship uh, among the believers, you know, I remember during the first service, I was shocked because we had a lot of people that came, but as soon as service got over, they were all gone. I mean, just boom, gone. And I was used to a church where you couldn't get rid of people. I was used to a church where people got there early and they stayed late and there was fellowship and, and, and that just wasn't there at first. And so I was always trying to do things to help people get to know each other. And so there would be that fellowship and created a monster. Now we really can't get rid of people here. And, and, and I, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because it, it's a good thing. And, and, but it wasn't there at first. People want to make friendships. People want to be a part of a family. And let me tell you, I, I'm thankful for anybody who just comes. But, you know, it's good for you to fellowship, get to know people. You're, you're being a blessing to people. You're helping people. When you do that, more than you realize. You know, soul winning. There was very little soul winning that was done in the early days besides anyone outside our family. Most of the time, I would just go out and just knock as many doors as I could, hoping to get people in church. And, you know, and that, that bothered me because I was like, you know, we probably should be doing more in this area. You know, that's not, we, you know, we had 53 people, I think, out yesterday knocking doors. Man, I never even would have imagined that on the first service. I never even imagined that. What an amazing thing that is. But, you know, again, that came through, you know, there was, there was preaching on it. There was training on it. There was people who would come and get involved when, you know, hardly anybody's showing up. You know, I remember, you know, you'd have the soul winning times. It was on the schedule, but a lot of times people come and it's just the pastor. Oh, why am I even doing this? And you know what? Nothing makes me more mad than when people tell me, oh, I go to this church and they have soul winning, but hardly anybody shows up. So I don't even go. I just, I want to start beating on those people. It's like, you know what? Get involved. You know what? Be that pioneer. You know, you're looking for the place where you can go and get in on the party, get in on the big group where all the fun and the action's at. But sometimes you need people to build something and to get something started. If you're so hardcore, if you're so serious, you know what? Why don't you do that? Why don't you make sure you're there every week in case somebody else as pathetic as you comes along and see, you know, and who might walk away and never do it again if he sees nobody else is there but the pastor. Why don't you make sure that you're there so they'll be more likely to come back? You know what? Thank God for those who were here when it was small and when there wasn't a lot going on in that area. 
Thank God for that. And we need that. And so, uh, you know, there was other things. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on these things. But basically, if we could sum up the purpose of the ministry as a church and, you know, everything that we do in one word. All right, if we're just going to explain what do are we supposed to do as a church and with one word, I think love is the best word to use. Love is the greatest motivator for anything. Love is why we go soul winning. Love is why we minister to the saints. Love is why we will continue doing these things even when we don't feel like it. Love is what motivates us to do these things. And turn over to 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. And notice what it says here. But as touching brotherly love, you have need, uh, no need that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed you do it toward all men. Uh, Lost my, or toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you. So right here, we see that he's telling them, you know, let that brotherly love continue, and he talks about loving one another, and he's talking about increasing it. He says, while you're doing it, he said, I want you to increase it, and so now here we are, ten years into this church 10 years we've been going now and so what i would just want to challenge you with a little bit today is just kind of a goal and a purpose for the next 10 years and that is that we for one just do these things more and more more and more you know what what we're doing you know what we need to do in the next 10 years we need to do more and more of it more and more we need to be increasing on these things and for some reason i'm missing like the last couple pages of my notes so i'm gonna have to wing it here i'm just gonna tell you right now so if I forget some things that were on my list, but um, uh, but uh, the the, uh, the Bible often would tell them to do that. Whenever they would commend them for something good, he would tell them, do it more and more. I want you to increase more and more. And as I got to thinking about the last 10 years and all the things that you know God has helped us accomplish, the things where I don't feel like we're lacking anymore, you know, the things where, you know, frankly, sometimes pastors, they get a little bit embarrassed. At what goes on, you know, if, uh, be, you know, if the church doesn't do what it should be doing, if our church just isn't very friendly, if we're running people off, you know, when people just don't show up for things, you know, that really stinks too, is when you plan some kind of event and just nobody shows up, you know, that, that gets pretty fr frustrating as a pastor. But again, there are so many areas now where I do, I feel like, you know, we're doing good. But you know what? We don't ever want to get satisfied. We don't ever want to get complacent because I'm just going to tell you right now, you know, as a bishop, as an overseer, I look at Romans 12 and I see some things we could be improving on. I see some things we could do better, but I'm not going to talk so much about that. What I mainly want to talk about is when it comes to ministry. When it comes to ministry, let me just get up and talk to you as the pastor of this church that I'm seeing potential out there that I don't think we're completely tapping into yet things that I think that we need to uh, have a goal of accomplishing in the next years. And so while we want to keep doing a lot of the things we're doing more and more, you know, I think there's more ministry opportunity out here for one. In fact, we're probably going to be get, um, starting something regular on this. Uh, hopefully uh, next week, I forgot to announce it during the morning service, but Spanish ministry. You know, I think we've got potential here for a Spanish ministry now. 
Hey, every pastor wants all these different ministries in their church. You know, there, there's a million ideas for different ministries you can have, but often what you need to do that just isn't in your church. But you know what? I think we have that now. You know, we've got somebody who can preach in Spanish and do a good job of preaching in Spanish. You know, we have multiple families uh, that know that language, and we're talking about doing um, once a month services on Saturday now. We did this one Sunday service that went really good this year, but it's really hard doing things on Sunday because our Sundays are crammed so full. And you know what? I think we should probably, uh, you know, get something regular going on that because you know what? Again, I'm okay. I, w- I, want, I would rather God multiply our Spanish families rather than, you know, take from it. And you know what? If we're not using what we've got, then chances are we lose it. You found my extra notes? All right, just reprint it for me. I was having printer problems this morning. So I was doing pretty good on, on you know, <laughs> going off of memory. But again, so, you know, the Spanish ministry, that's something that I think we can do. Missions. Missions is something that we've not done a lot of outside Illinois, you know. And, and I'm, listen, I'm thrilled with the soul winning we do. Uh, with people we've helped, but when it comes to foreign missions, when it comes to helping foreign missionaries, I, you know, there's a lot of problems that's in the uh, missions and things, but there are, there are some fantastic missionaries out there that could use the help financially. They could use the help physically. I think it would be good for us to plan some missions trips. And if we do a mission trip of our own, I prefer to do one, you know, where there's a missionary somewhere that we could get behind and help and maybe strengthen his ministry. And if anything, just be a blessing to him. You know, when I when we started this church here, too, one of the, when I was full time uh, at Lighthouse, one of my favorite things to do was just go into conferences, go into different meetings. I was always going to different revival meetings because I love the fellowship. I, I'm the kind of person I need the fellowship. When I came out here, and then I had and I was working full time along with pastoring, I didn't get around much anymore. And you know, sometimes you did. You just kind of you really crave that fellowship from other people and, and from other pastors and things, and you'd get kind of lonely. And I can only imagine what it's like for missionaries in foreign countries, you know, that are over in a completely different culture. You know, they'd probably love it if some other fundamental Baptist Americans went over there and just not, not just worked and went souling with them, but just fellowshiped with them. They came to their service and were just a part of their service and sang with them and maybe did some special music. That kind of thing could be a blessing. And we need to think about our brothers and sisters that are over in these other countries represent that's something we've done a li- we've always done a little bit of it over the last ten years. But I think that's something we should probably increase. I, I feel like it's an area where we're lacking. Another area, church planning. Hey, we haven't planted any churches yet. And that's something we're definitely working towards. You know, and I'm not telling us we've got to do all these things tomorrow, okay? But I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm trying to give you a vision here. I'm trying to let you see that we haven't arrived yet, okay? Yeah, we've got a full house here today. Yes, you know, we've got good singing. We've got a lot of souling. We've got a lot of things going on. But we don't want to just get this attitude that we've arrived. You know what we need to be doing? We need to be doing more and more. I like what it says in Philippians 1.8. It says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve all things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. And one thing we've got to understand about our job as Christians is it's not over till the trumpet sounds. 
Our job is not over until the day of Jesus Christ, until he returns. And until he returns, I think we need to keep doing more and more. Unless we can go through Romans chapter 12 and we just like, we are nailing everything. Then, you know, I think we need to keep working. I think we need to keep trying to do more. I think we need to keep trying to evangelize. I think we need to keep looking for new opportunities. And church planning is something that I think is very important. We need more churches being started. There's a lot of places where there are not good churches. And we need to do something about that. We need to, and you know, we're going to have to make sacrifices with that too. You know, it's going to mean we're going to lose good people in this church if we do something like that. But you know what? We've got to do, it it needs to be done. We need to be willing to make that sacrifice. Uh, Another area, I think when it comes to just spiritual leadership opportunities, I think, you know, when I look at the, the people in this church that, and you know, I'm not trying to lift anybody up or anything like that, but you know, I mean, I see a lot of people in this church that are doing good in a lot of areas and have a lot of things going for them. Spiritually speaking, you know, you should be actively helping other people, making them become better Christians, helping them become more spiritual. You know, you can't just put all that on the pastor. You know, a lot of times people, they have this expectation the pastor has everything going for them. But, you know, it often gives them more motivation when they see other people in the church doing right, too. And they're like, well, they can do it. I can do it, too. And, you know, I think we probably should be uh, doing more when it comes to discipleship and working with new Christians and helping them to become better Christians. When it comes to following up on our new converts, when it comes to following up with visitors and doing something to minister them. And listen, I'm open to ideas, okay? I'm not a trendy, but I'm open up to new ideas on, you know, ways that we can just reach out, minister to people. We're not going to change the main things, all right? We're not going to change the way we do church or anything like that. But, you know, if we got to get a little creative to just go and uh, to work with some of these people and to help some of these people who get saved grow, you know, I'm all for that. We need to do something with that. You know, when it comes to things like addictions programs, you know, we need to do something to help these people. You know, the rehab clinics and things that are out there, they're not doing a very good job. And, you know, we're the ones that claim to have all the spiritual tools and things that are possession. So, you know what, we're going to have to do something with that. And a lot of times, you know, that person who just got out of jail, who's struggling with drug addiction and things, who, you know, looks bad and, you know, doesn't, you know, who looks like they often look, you know, they often get intimidated walking into church with and going through the gauntlet of nicely dressed people we were talking about, that they're going to feel like they're judging them. Because they already think that. Before they even walk in, they think, I'm going to go in there and everybody's going to judge me. That's what they're thinking. And so they, and, and, you know, a lot of times we might have to, step outside of our comfort zone to minister to these people and to be a help to these people. And I think that this is something we can be doing more of. You know, something else I've been talking about doing for years that we've never done. You know, while we've knocked all the doors out here in town, you know, we've still never hit the country homes. You know, that's a whole big area where, but you know, so that's not what we're used to. You know, we'll, we have to, you know, we'll have to change up our strategy a little bit. You know, you're going to have to use your own gas, you know, because we, we can't just take van loads. That'll really freak people out that live out in the country if a van load. We can't, we can't do that. You know, we're, we're all used to a certain way of doing things. But, you know, we sometimes got to change things up because that's a whole new group that we can reach. You know, in our own area, you're not going to be able to knock as many doors. You know, it's, it's going to be... Uh, some challenges. I think we, I think we can do something with that. I, I think we need some kind of homeschool ministry that we have this kind of, it's ours, but it's not like officially a Liberty Baptist Church thing. 
something that we can advertise, but it's one where we kind of dominate, you know, in it, you know, where most of the people, uh, where the ones that kind of run these things, but then hopefully reach out to a lot of other people in the area that are homeschooled and then hopefully, you know, win them over. And I think that's something that we should do. And two, just to help people too, that are trying to homeschool, you know, even if people don't go to our church, it would be really good for their kids. They get them out of these schools where they're gagging them, making them wear these masks and teach them all the junk that they're teaching. But you know, a lot of parents get overwhelmed and they think I can't do it. But you know, and, but the thing is a lot of people aren't going to leave their church to go to a church that has a lot more homeschooling. But the thing is they might get involved in a homeschool group and then they might find out, Hey, I can get help in this. I can accomplish this. And so I think that's a great way to reach out that these, these are just things that I've had on my heart that I feel like, um, you know, we haven't really done anything or much with it, but we probably could do more with it. And I just say all that to say that, you know, as we go, you know, now that we've been here 10 years, we don't want to just get satisfied because we've accomplished certain things. And I can tell you right now as a pastor, you know, I don't feel satisfied. You know, I feel like we need to be doing more and more. I'm looking out across this church and I'm thinking, you know, I'm seeing a lot of potential in people that I don't think we're using yet. That, you know, maybe you don't even realize that you have, you know, th- you know, ministry opportunities that you haven't even thought of, that you don't realize you're capable of doing. And I'm just saying that, you know what, I hope you all continue doing what you're doing. And I hope you continue listening to preaching and, and the hints and things that I drop about ministries and stuff. And, you know, and get on board with these things because I believe God wants us to increase as a church. I believe God wants us to continue to grow, reach more people, accomplish more things. And so these are, in fact, you know, suggestions that I'm dropping up here that I'd like to see people in this church get burdened about. You know, many of these things that we would have, uh, you know, many of these things that we would have needed in the past to make these things work, we didn't have. You know, these are things I used to think I'd like to do some of these things someday, but it was just the possibility wasn't there. We didn't have the tools necessary, but you know what? I'm looking out across the place now and I'm saying, you know what? I think we have the tools necessary for some of these things. And you know what? God didn't just bring you here just to enjoy listening to me speak. Okay. I don't believe he did that. God brought you here because God wanted you to be part of the church. God wanted you to be a part of what we do here. God wanted you to be a part of the process. God wanted you to be a part of the work and God wanted you to do something here that somebody else wasn't getting done. God didn't want you to just come and, you know, take somebody else's job or just do exactly what was already being done. No, you're here because there's something that you can do that nobody else can do. And you ought to find out what that is and ask the Holy Spirit to help you or ask me. You know, I I think I can help you figure it out. Some of your gifts and things. And so the plan for Liberty Baptist Church in the next 10 years is really it's the same as the last 10 years. But we're just going to try to do more and more, increase more and more. And we're going to keep this going until the trumpet sounds. Until, until that call to come home comes, we're just going to keep this going. And I appreciate I'm th- I just want to say I'm so thankful for everyone who has been a part of this church. And, you know, I, I just sometimes sit back and I watch what's being accomplished. And I, I'm just thankful because I see it, it, it is, it's very satisfying because what I see now is a church. What I see now, it does. It feels like church. It's not just a group of people that I conned into coming and watching me put on a show. No, it's people 
that are coming and doing a work for the Lord. It's people that are coming and ministering to other people. And, you know, and, and as a pastor, it is, it, it brings me great joy to see that. And, you know, and I, and so I hope this is just an encouragement to you to abound more and more to, you know, take these good things that you're doing and, and to keep them going and let's see how we can add to it in these next years. And all these things we mentioned, we probably won't get them all accomplished by year 11. But, you know, I, I want you to have it in your mind and realize that we're, we are trying to go somewhere with this. And I believe God's going to do great things. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for just the privilege of being able to be the pastor of this church. Lord, I'm just so thankful for everyone who's